Good morning, everybody. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Mike. I'm one of the ministers here, and we're glad that you've joined us here, whether here in the house or online. Uh, we are uh, thankful that you have taken part of your Sunday, part of your day uh, to, to join us. And in, in the month of September, we partnered with a group called Cooks and Hills. It's a, a Christian um, home, uh, a place where uh, children who are in uh, difficult situations and um, maybe some some rough childhoods, some some rough homes, uh, they can go there for some for some respite, or even uh, until they are then adopted by other families. And in uh, the Cooks and Hills, uh, Cook, Cooks and Hills had a, a a chance to have a matching grant. And they have you can raise uh, so much money, uh, we will match it up to this up to this point. And we help participate in that. And I want to let you guys know that they were able to receive the 100% of what was matched. And so we were able to partner with them in that. And so that is awesome that the, uh, the 1000 we sent in a way turned into $2,000 uh, for, for Cooks and Hills to serve uh, children uh, uh, in, in, in need. And so uh, we're, glad that, uh, so we're glad that you've joined us. If you want to let us know where you're joining us from, uh, you can do so with the connection card at cchmd.com connect. Uh, you can fill out the connection card there. Let us know. Um, kind of good way just for us to uh, quickly stay connected with one another. If there's any prayer requests, any concerns, any notes you need to send to us, you can do that there. If you are new and uh, just want to kind of you know, do some real simple, you can just simply text the word "new" to two four zero three four seven zero eight nine seven. And a, a simple way to to stay connected and and uh, w- with everyone who is here with us. If you want to follow along with today's sermon uh, with on, some online sermon notes, uh, you can do so on the YouVersion Bible app uh, under Church of Christ at Hagerstown. You can. Hit that events tab and you can find uh, today's sermon is Jesus alone, Jesus alone. And you can kind of follow along there. And so we are glad to have our kids in with us today. Today, before we go any further, let us go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you love us and you care for us and you meet us where we are. Father, I thank you that, um, that our failures are not an end, that our failures are a place where we can rebound from there and turn to you. And we thank you that you are a God of grace. Father, as we've celebrated uh, your, your death for us on the cross, your resurrection, and the hope we have of eternity, Father, I pray that you would meet us here today. Father, in the midst of the hurts that we bring, in the midst of the joys that we're experiencing, Father, I pray that you meet us here in this place. Father, from the songs that we've sung, as we begin to open your word, would you lead us and guide us into truth? Would you lead us and guide us into change? Would you lead us and guide us to walk in step with you? So that, Father, as we leave here today, that we might be changed to help change the world around us, that we might be transformed so we can help lead others closer to you. Father, draw us to yourself, that we might fall in step with you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For the last 20 years, I have had the privilege of being married to a wife who is an amazing cook. Uh, I can probably count on one hand uh, the number of recipe, the number of dinners that have just been absolutely inedible. You know those recipes, those, those dinners you cook, and you look at it, and you just go, nope, and you throw it in the trash, and you go order pizza. Uh, one, one such meal, uh, we, 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 we put the, the food in to cook all day long, and it was, from my perspective, it was smelling good. I'm like, oh, man, you can smell the onions, and you can smell the peppers. Like, this is, this is going to be delicious. And uh, Eskaya comes home from work, we uh, pull the dinner out of the crock pot, and the fryer chicken is perfectly room temperature. And we're like, that crock pot that used to work at the old place 
somewhere between the apartment and the house broke. So we threw that out. I think we went and ordered pizza. Now, now from time to time, I try to be a good guy, and I, I, I try to cook dinner. My go-to dinner, though, is Pizza Hut. You know, it's like, hey, I know how to pull that up online and order that thing and go and drive and pick it up. I am amazing at that. I've got time where I order it, and I, sometimes I beat the pizza being done when I get to the restaurant. From time to time, I've, I've actually, I do actually cook dinner from time to time. Uh, a couple of different times, I've cooked this kid's favorite meal, which is chicken cordon bleu. And uh, one time, she was out uh, hiking with some friends, and on Mother's Day, she came home, and, and the kids and I, we had chicken cordon bleu uh, all ready for her, and, and she was wowed and amazed that I could actually remember to do that one. But I know where the recipe book is, and I pulled out, and I was like, oh, we're going to follow this step by step. But there's a couple summers ago, uh, Eskaya was at her parents' house, and uh, she was there with the kids, and so I was home alone, so I was cooking for myself, and, and I thought, hey, here in a couple of days, I'm going to go and get Eskaya and the kids, and we're going to get back home, and we're going to get home kind of late, maybe a little bit late for dinner, and so uh, what if I made something for dinner tonight for myself that would also be really great for leftovers later? And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, yeah. what would be good for this? I'm like, chili. I love chili. And so I, I, I go, I find her chili recipe, and I, I get the meat, I get it brown, and I've, I've chopped the onions and, and, and all that. I, I got all the cans of beans, all the cans of beans open, the, the tomatoes, and we're, we are good to go. And I got all the seasonings down, and I know that she adjusts the recipe that's in the book just a little bit because it's, it, she doesn't want to make it quite so spicy for the kids. And so I'm going through, I've got, I get the, I'm putting everything in, and it's just, I'm like, this is going to be the best chili ever because I can let it simmer the whole time. It says in the recipe, I don't have to like rush simmer it because we've got dinner to get on the table. I'm like, I'm just going to let this thing cook because if I eat late just by myself, it doesn't matter. I'm like, this is going to be the best chili ever. And so it cooks, it simmers. I got all the things in there, all the and smelling great. I'm like, this is going to be an amazing dinner. And so I, I, I scoop up the chili. I put it in my bowl. I go and I, I sit down to eat and something's missing. Something's, something is just not right. Like, and by that time, Eskaya calls. She calls me and I said, hey, hey, sweetheart, this is what I did. I, I'm, she went she, to make for dinner. I made chili because I thought, hey, we'll have some leftovers when we get back. We don't have to, we can just come home and Eat up some chili. She goes, that's a great idea. You're a genius. And, and I said, but something's, something's just not right about it. I thought it was going to be great because I let it simmer the whole time, but it's just not as good as yours. And she goes, well, did you follow the recipe? I did. I even made the concession that you do to, 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 to keep not make it so spicy for the kids. So I just held out the chili powder. And that's what she did. She just started laughing on the phone. I mean, hysterical. And she goes, she goes, she goes Mike made chili. And didn't put chili powder in it. <laughs> Laughter. And, and my sage father-in-law goes, well, he just made a really fancy tomato soup. And she says, yeah, just put some chili powder in it. Because I put some red, I'm like, yeah, I, I even put some red, crushed red pepper in my thing. That, that zhuzhed up, kicked it up a notch, but it still wasn't right. She just put this much chili powder in it. Put the chili powder in it, let it simmer. Put, threw some in my bowl, and it was perfect. It was perfect. Sometimes that's how we are. Sometimes we make adjustments to things in our life, thinking that they're going to be for the better, but they're not. And sometimes we do that in our faith as well. We, need, we choose to maybe make some adjustments. We need to, <clears throat> to, to, to be 
more popular, to be more acceptable, to be more accepting to those around us. We, uh, to, to maybe, maybe not offend as much. We adjust what we believe so that we can, uh, so, so, so that we can be more uh, 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 attractive to others. But sometimes in doing that, we leave out what is essential. And so doing, we leave out what is most vital to make a church God-honoring. And so Paul goes, Paul, Paul writes to Timothy, and, and Timothy's battling a bunch of stuff in the church, and the, the church is, has come up against some things in culture, and like, how do we adjust? How do we make these things work? How do we live in this culture that, is, that seems to be against us? <clears throat> so Paul is helping Timothy build a church God's way from the ground up. And he reminds him that what is most essential, even in the face of rising, the, the rising cultural pressure from the fa- false preachers, like he, here's the things you need to hold on to. Here's what is most important. So today we're going to uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 14, and we're going to go through chapter 4, verse 5. And so one thing we need to remember is that Paul did not write in chapters and verses. So, uh, you, know, we, we, you know, we have authors who write, and they, they might write in, in chapters, but Paul did not write in chapters. These chapters and verses were kind of given to us like addresses so we can better locate the scripture that we want to talk about. But Paul is giving Timothy some practical advice in leading a church in face of an obstinate culture. Maybe this feels a lot like we are today. There are some things that he was experiencing on a routine basis. And this is something that the church has always faced. The church has always faced pressure, has always faced obstinance from culture. And so it's not, you know, it's not something that's new just for us today. It's always been there. And Paul's like, hey, even while this is going on, here's the one truth you must hold on to. The one truth that the whole church is built upon. So Paul writes, because although I hope to come to you soon, <clears throat> I'm writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how, to, how you ought to conduct yourselves themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. What he's saying is, hey, the church, the church is the pillar. The church is, a, is central to truth in all of culture. And, and, and how, do we, how do we hold on to that truth even when pressure comes from the outside. He says this, beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed upon in the world, and was taken up in glory. The spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Paul's like, hey, I'm longing to get back to you. I want to get there, but, but, but there's some things that need to be corrected in the church, and, and they need to be corrected now. So they, I'm going to write this to you, and if I beat, you, beat the letter there, great. But if not, this letter's going to get there, and you go ahead and start the work, and then I'll help you later. He goes, he, he goes I might be delayed, I might be held back, but there are certain things that seem to be going on in the church there that need to stop. They need to know how to conduct themselves as members of God's household. 
<clears throat> they, they, they had uh, received the gospel when Paul was there. But some other teachers had come in and started teaching some other things and had been leading them into some other areas. And Paul's like, these things are not right. Maybe they, some of them had maybe had gone back to their previous uh, life of, of dealing in, in magic and, and the other gods of the, of the Greco-Roman world. And Paul's like, they are walking away. They're leaving the gospel for these other things. Because there are some things that just can't wait. Go ahead and start them so that you can conduct and you can get them back in alignment with how God wants members of his church <clears throat> to act. Paul reminds Timothy, like I said, that the church is the foundation of truth. It, that, that, the, 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 the truth that, that, uh, of the gospel, the truth about Jesus, is, is, is that truth that all of life is built upon. You, know, you, can, know, uh, you can know all the knowledge uh, and, and book learning in schools and all that, but still have your life be a wreck because your life is not built upon the truth of Jesus. <clears throat> and so Paul points, he, he's, he's, he, the, the idea of these of pillars is this idea of, of kind of a fortress of strength. That we have strength in this truth that when we build our life upon the truth of Jesus, we have, we have a firm foundation upon which to stand and we have a firm defense against attacks from the outside. And then Paul begins, he uses words that, that, that might be from an ancient hymn. Yeah, 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 a way to recite and remember the truth of the gospel. And, and, and it might be like something we would do today. Maybe, maybe we, we hear a song on the radio or there's a song that we've sung somewhere or we've, or we've heard somewhere and it's like, are really encouraging to me. And we might pass it on to a friend. Maybe it's a way that, that as we uh, want to remember certain truths and certain things, people have packaged those truths into songs. Some of the uh, nursery rhymes that we sing to kids were, were actually ways to recount history. Uh, I, I, I think Ring Around the Rosie had something to do with the bubonic plague. And some of these other things were just ways to, to, to uh, tell history and tell, remind people about things that go on to teach our kids certain things, certain truths. And sometimes the words of a song just stick better than the words of a sermon, the words of a letter, the words of a book. Sometimes the words of a song, a lyric mixed with melody, just has a way to, dig, to, to, to settle itself down deep into our soul. And so this, this part of this hymn that sounds a bit cryptic to us, but I'm sure it made complete sense to them in the poetry and the rhyme of, of the first century, Paul passes on, the words of this hymn. He says this, he says, he appeared in the flesh and was vindicated by the spirit. He was seen by the angels. He was preached among the nations. He was believed on the world and was taken up into glory. And before we even begin, we know who he is, right? This, he is Jesus. This is the telling of the gospel story that Jesus came in the flesh when he was born of Mary in the little town of Bethlehem that we celebrate in just a couple of months called Christmas, right? When Christmas came, he was, he was born, he was, he, was, he was appeared in the flesh. God came, God left his throne and walked among men and made his home among us for a while. <clears throat> and then Paul says he was vindicated by the Spirit. And there's something about that word vindicated that just seems ominous, doesn't it? It just, there's, there's something, it just it seems weird. It's not a word that we use very often, maybe. Uh, uh, but, but, but as I was looking, I mean, what does this word vindicated mean? And maybe you remember, Jesus just started out in his ministry, goes back home to Nazareth. He, he, he comes into the synagogue and they say, hey, 
Paul, why don't you read scripture for us today? Why don't you uh, give us a word today? And so he takes the scroll, he opens up to Isaiah, he reads part of what Lonnie actually read to us uh, in, in his meditation today. The Spirit of God is upon me. Bind up the broken, the wounded, to set the captive free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And there, instead of the preacher standing up to preach, he sits down to preach, and Jesus sits down, and the only words he says are, these words have been fulfilled in your presence today. And there's such an uproar. They run him out of town, and they seek to stone him. The word vindicated by spirit means that the spirit came upon him, that God is, God's spirit was in Jesus to serve, to, to proclaim the gospel, to, to meet the needs. And you see that the spirit Move through Jesus' life. We see, we, we even hear Peter preach uh, on the day of Pentecost. And he says that God accredited Jesus to them by miracles, wonders, and signs. <clears throat> we see how Jesus uh, proclaimed uh, power over nature. He uh, had power over disease. He calmed the storm. He walked on the waves. He did things that no one else could do because God, he was God himself and the spirit of God was in him to proclaim the good news about God. The Spirit of God was upon him to accomplish the ministry he had here on earth. That he was seen by angels. <clears throat> and this could be a number of different things. It could talk about the preexistent state of Jesus. That Jesus existed in heaven. That he was with pre <clears throat> present with the angels even before he came to earth. Could also be talking about when uh, Jesus goes to, into the wilderness, be tempted, and says the angels attended to him. Angels came and attended him after he was tempted by Satan. It could also speak to the fact that the angels bore witness to his resurrection. But Jesus did not die for angels. He died for lost sinners like us. And that's why he's preached among the nations. He, Paul took the gospel of Jesus. He that radically and profoundly had changed his life. And he took it to all the parts of the known world that he could get to. And through the preaching of Jesus, that the preaching that he believed upon, that preaching that he passed on to others, said Jesus was believed upon in the world. And many have come and many have grown up in the faith. There's one part about the gospel. There's one part about our truth that is different than any other religious truth in all the world. And that is our salvation was purchased by a savior who died on the cross, died for us. Like didn't just die. It was raised again and taken up to heaven. Now Jesus, not only will I be taken up into heaven, but I will come back one day. One day I will come back. And all of you who believe, all of you who walk in step with me, all of you who are mine, I will take up to heaven, be with me. Forever. Our faith has a different end game, one that ends in the restoration of everything back to its original design. But of course, there's a rub there, isn't there? Of course, people don't always like or believe or agree with Scripture. Oh, they, 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 like, they may like Jesus fine enough. They think, oh, man, Jesus is nice. He's, he's this loving guy. He's kind to others. He, but if we just leave Jesus in the realm of nice guy, we cut him short. Jesus didn't come merely to be a nice guy. He came to be our savior. And 
When we see, speak of a need for a savior, it means that we've done something wrong. Not many of us like to admit that we do things wrong. I mean, we like, it was like to, to admit that our life somehow falls short. And, and so they, 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 we, we, they, people begin to push back against scripture. And they begin to say, I want to search for a different truth. Or this is my truth. My truth is different than your truth. And we can have these different truths, but there's only one truth. And the truth that will save is a truth in the gospel. There are some who used to believe, who may have walked in the truth of scripture. But, but as they grew up, at some point they walked away. Maybe you know those who grew up in the church who, who made a decision to give their life to Jesus, who to walk in step with Jesus, but somehow in, somewhere in, in between college and, or, and adulthood, they, they chose to walk away because sometimes, sometimes as we, as we propagate a childlike faith, it becomes a detriment to a growing, mature adult faith. Sometimes we try to propagate a childlike faith just coming before God as, as our father Sometimes in the way we teach and the same, sometimes in the way we present scripture becomes a detriment to growing mature adult faith. So some who've grown up walk away. The spirit clearly says that there will be some who will abandon the faith and they will follow the deceiving spirits. Paul writes, they'll follow after things taught by demons, things that are, are false, things that are evil, things that are wrong. And they'll see those as truth and not the truth <coughs> of the gospel. See, our, t- our scientific age has belittled the presence of a spiritual world. So you know, it's just, we, we, can just we, can, we can explain these things by science. But I think there's some things in our world go beyond the explanation of science. Science might be able to explain it some, but, but I believe there's a spiritual world that's still at work in our time today. And in, in that spiritual world, people, it will pull people away, pull people aside, and misdirect them. And people have been uh, deceived by discussions and conversations in the natural world that make them question their faith. It's not just a recent development. You know, Paul's already talked about Alexander and Hymenaeus who've, who've walked away. There are those, even at this time, the Spirit was pulling them away from the church in Ephesus. and They're being deceived by these false teachers. Others who would begin to add some other things in or take some things out from the gospel because it, they thought it might make it better. Others who, who thought they, who knew enough about Jesus, but would mix in just a little bit of untruth to erode their faith. Just like my chili without chili powder, it's close, but it wasn't quite right. See, matters of faith, matters of faith, we can't be just close enough. Close enough doesn't get us home. One of the things that people do to erode the gospel is they begin to add. They begin to add things to the gospel. We, you, you need Jesus and this other thing. Well, and while those, some of those other things may be <clears throat> good and helpful, they're not necessary to following Jesus. Sometimes people will mix Jesus and politics. Sometimes people will make Jesus and, 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 and uh, uh, certain activities. Say, hey, you need, to, you need Jesus and this other thing. And begins to 
when we begin to attach Jesus to other things in our life and put them on the same level, we begin to erode people's faith because maybe those other things are good for some. They don't completely agree with these other things that we've tried to attach Jesus to. Some of the things that the, the false teachers of that day we talk about, they would forbid people to marry. They would forbid people to marry, mainly because they thought they were, they were waiting for the imminent return of Jesus. Because ever since Jesus has gone up to heaven, the church has been longing, has been expecting Jesus' soon and imminent return. Hey, he's coming soon. He's coming soon. And so because Jesus is coming soon, y'all don't need to get married. Don't worry about getting married. Just be ready. Be ready for Jesus. This was pushing people into relationships and activities that, that were inappropriate, that were improper. Because these religious leaders would say, hey, don't worry about marriage because Jesus is coming soon. He said, hey, hey, we need to abstain from certain foods. <clears throat> we need to abstain from certain foods. And, be, and while certain foods and may, may be uh, better to stay away from or to have less of, may lead to a, a healthier life and healthier diet if we uh, avoid certain things. But certain foods, eating certain foods or avoiding certain foods doesn't make us more or less holy. And nowadays, we have debates about marriage, right? Marriage has been redefined in, in, in our culture. And, the, in the, and there's been an advancement of the laxity of God's ethic about marriage relationships and marital relations. There's been talk about health and in certain foods and, and sometimes certain foods and food groups and some certain things have been demonized. But even the words of Jesus, Jesus says, nothing that goes into the body defiles a man. Only what comes from him. So all food, if it's received with thanksgiving, is, is acceptable. And so God gave us bacon as proof that he loves us. But eating the whole slab of bacon in one sitting is maybe not the healthiest thing out there. See, as long as we don't abuse the food that we have, as long as we don't follow destructive eating habits, as long as we follow God's ethic in, return, in, in, in our relationships with others, we can enjoy the relationships that God has for us. These false teachers were saying, avoid marriage, avoid these foods, and you will be holy. And our culture has done similar things by trying to add other things into the gospel. And we need Jesus plus social justice. And we need Jesus plus relational peace. And we need Jesus plus acceptance, but plus whatever is next. And, and here's the thing. All those things are good. But all those things are things that we need to flow from the gospel and not add to the gospel. They, they flow from us out as response to the gospel and not that we need those along with the gospel for salvation. Out of our faith and commitment to Jesus flows a desire to see marriages and families strengthened, to be restored to God's design, <clears throat> to see racial reconciliation, to show love for our neighbor, to show uh, economic inequalities balanced. Our desire to right wrongs and bring peace and harmony to our world can only be realized as we let it flow, as we let it be a gospel response and not something that we have to agree to along with the gospel. So whenever we begin to add things to the gospel, it just pulls us further 
and further from the truth. Paul said beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. The mystery. That doesn't mean something scary. It just means something kind of hidden. It means that we have to do some work. We have to do some, uh, some, some, some digging. We have, to do, we, have, we have to do some study. We have to do some, uh, some finding out on our own about what these certain things mean. We need to figure out how do we begin to understand and live out godliness. Because true godliness can only be found in Jesus alone. So if we try to see for ourselves, we say, I'm going to live out godliness this way. We can't do it in our own way, in our own formula. But leave Jesus out. We will never make it. So Paul says, we got to go back to Jesus. Because he was the one. He is the one. Jesus alone. Not Jesus and or Jesus plus. Just Jesus. And when we err, it's because we've tried to make Jesus look more like us. You will never err in trying to look more like Jesus. You may not quite get there, you may, but, but you're, you're, you're at least making that the progress in the right direction. But when we try to make Jesus look more like us rather than look, making us more, look more like Jesus, that is when we step out of line. You can't counterfeit Jesus. You might be able to counterfeit or copy someone's look or someone else's actions, but you can't counterfeit Jesus. Only the genuine article, only the real thing will do. This is only achieved by total commitment to Jesus and the gospel. And as we grow closer to him, he is more revealed to us. And it's easier to cast aside the false teachings that we hear in our world. It's easier to push aside those things that, 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 that might entrap us or that might, might, might pull us away. What the world needs to see is a church that falls, is falling more and more in love with Jesus. Not our version of him, but the real thing that we find in Scripture. And that commitment starts by taking your first steps to him. And so we want to offer time to respond to the gospel today. And maybe today, where you're sitting, where, where, where you're at, there at home or even here with us in the house, you need to respond to making Jesus your Savior. And we want to celebrate that decision with you today. We want to help you take your next steps of faith with him. And so you can let us know by filling out the connection card at cchmd.com. Slash connect. And you can mark the box on that connection card that says become a Christian and it will send us a note and we'll get to you immediately. You can also text the word life to 240-347-0897. See, our walk of faith is not defined by a one-time decision. Many of us can think back to a certain day, a certain time when we claimed Jesus as our Savior. Maybe it was a day we were baptized. Maybe it was a certain event in our life that we're like, that is the day that I know I chose Jesus to walk my life with. If you've noticed, there's some in our life, we've never made that same decision. We've walked away. We've abandoned the faith. We can probably begin to list those who we know. We would have considered them believers, we would have considered them disciples of Jesus but no longer. Maybe they once held on to the gospel, but they began to put other things on the same level as Jesus. <clears throat> other, some on the same level of faith in him. Maybe they made other commitments and said, these other commitments are also necessary for salvation. But there's one thing about this text today. There's a commitment to perseverance. Commitment 
to growth, commitment to maturity, commitment to hold on to those things that are bedrock, that are, are sure, that are, that, that, that are central and core to our faith. Only by continuing to grow closer to Jesus will we be able to know how to conduct ourselves as members of God's family. And the more we act, the more we walk like Jesus, the more effective our witness for Jesus will be among those who do not, do not believe. Only as we grow closer to him will we be effective in our ministry and our witness to those who are still far from Jesus. May we grow in those steps. May we continue to walk in that way until all the world knows about our Jesus.